Welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast, show number 296, Finance Friday Edition, where we talk to Chris about the sometimes harsh realities of running your own business. Well, when I was putting together my little summary for you guys today, this is the first time I've sat down and looked at my business financials in a while because I've been working 60 or 70 hours a week uh, without doing the financials. And I was coming to kind of the same conclusion that obviously what I'm doing is is not working the way uh, the way I'm running it right now. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Mindy Jensen. And joining me today is my smart cookie co-host, Scott Trench. What a fully baked introduction as always, Mindy. <laughs> Scott and I are here to make financial independence less scary, less just for somebody else, to introduce you to every money story, because we truly believe financial freedom is attainable for everyone, no matter when or where you're starting. That's right. Whether you want to retire early and travel the world, go on to make big time investments in assets like real estate, or start or reset your own business, we'll help you reach your financial goals and get money out of the way so you can launch yourself towards your dreams. Today, we are going to speak with Chris, a man who lives up in Canada, but all the all the information still applies to anybody, no matter what area of the world you're in. He lives up in Canada. He would like to be financially independent within the next 10 years, but he's got some interesting curveballs being thrown at him right now. Most of them stem from the fact that he owns his own business. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, you know, we'll, we'll get into this, but Chris is upside down. His business is not bringing in enough income to support his lifestyle. And he's got several employees and um, some problems, some real problems there. And I think this was a particularly interesting Finance Friday, a situation we have not come across before. And I think we had some tough, um, unfortunate advice that I think we we hope we're wrong on, but 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 think probably might need maybe to be in um uh uh in implemented by Chris. Yeah. So strongly considered. And you know, we'll get to that in just a moment. I do want to stress that this is advice specific to Chris, but not really specific to Chris because he is, you know, he's running his own business. And I think there's a lot of business owners who will listen to this show today and say, ooh, I feel seen. And, you know, we gave Chris several options. We didn't just give him one option. This is what you have to do. And that's the only path to success. There are a lot of things to consider. And I hope that if you're listening and this is making you feel seen, you think of the different options that we've given Chris and see if those can apply to your situation as well. Absolutely. Well, should we bring him in? No, we have to tell about the contents of this podcast. We have to talk about our attorney saying the contents of this podcast are informational in nature and neither Scott nor I nor Bigger Pockets is engaged in the provision of legal tax or any other advice. You should seek your own advice from professional advisors, including lawyers and accountants, regarding the legal tax and financial implications of any financial decision you contemplate. When it comes to financial guidance, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When Mindy and I want to upgrade our wallets, we turn to NerdWallet. Scott's right. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, Mindy and I were paying for vacations in cash, missing out on miles, and not even knowing what we're leaving on the table. But now we're flying through the skies for free, thanks to our new cards with more miles and upgrades than ever. So if you want more travel rewards, hotel upgrades, or airport lounge access, no matter where you go next, let NerdWallet 
help you make it happen with a killer travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms of each credit card issuer apply. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You ever feel like your vacation rental sits empty too often? Missing out on potential income? Look, you're not alone. Many property owners struggle with underperforming bookings and the complexities of property management. But here's some good news. Vacasa outperforms other property managers in 92% of the markets they operate. They've helped homeowners like you increase their bookings by an average of 24%, turning those empty days into profitable opportunities. Want to see what your earnings could look like with Vacasa? Visit biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A, and get a free personalized income estimate today. That's biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa. Chris and his wife are looking to hit FI within the next 10 years, but they have incredibly variable income, anywhere from $1,000 a month to $7,000 a month. His most burning question is how do I plan for expenses when money is so unpredictable? Chris, welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast. Thank you very much, Mindy. Mindy, I'm happy to be here. I am excited to talk to you. You have a lot of um, interesting aspects to your financial situation. So let's jump right into it. What is your income and where's it going? I guess I already answered that question. Your income is whatever. And where does it go? Uh, precisely whatever. That's a very good way of putting it, actually. Yeah, we. Uh, I'm running my own business. Um, so it is very variable and it has been kind of a ride for the last six months. Uh, plus, my wife is currently on medical leave. So all told, I've got two rental properties bringing in about $850 a month. Um, my wife is employment insurance is bringing in about $2,000 a month. Canada has, I'm Canadian, Canada has this uh, baby bonus, basically, that's bringing in about $300 a month. And then my business, I mean, generally most months, it's mildly profitable. Uh, but it, you know, Averages out to maybe a thousand to three thousand dollars a month. So all told, I've got income at around fifty seven hundred bucks a month Canadian. So you can translate that to American if you really want to. We'll just go <laughs> with uh, dollar for dollar and call yeah. it because it's the same. The math still works. Canadian math exactly. is the same as American math. What is, how, what does your business look like six months to a year from now? Um, ideally. I really need to stabilize. So I just hired on a new employee about two weeks ago. Uh, my first employee came on just longer than six months ago. Um, so right now I'm, I'm looking to stabilize and bring it up to a steady, I'm bringing in five to $7,000 a month after expenses. Uh, and then I can look to grow again. So that would be the six month ish plan. How, how, how much, so, so what would you expect annual revenue for your business to be? Revenue, I'm really aiming for somewhere in the hundred ninety to two hundred and ten thousand dollar range sometime in the next year. Um yeah, that, that pretty much sums it up. It is obviously very variable. So so what um so your annual revenue is two hundred thousand dollars. What does an employee cost? Sorry, I'm hoping my annual revenue is going to be two hundred thousand dollars in the next six months. Uh right now I'm bringing in somewhere in the range of hundred and twenty thousand dollars annual. Uh, I've got a couple of bigger projects lined up, so hopefully these bring me up to 200 grand. Uh, and my employees are costing me roughly 
uh, 50K a year each, roughly. In base salary or base bonus? That, that includes kind of everything, um, taxes, everything. Yeah. Okay, great. We'll come back to the business in a little bit here, um, uh, for sure. sure. Where's all the, uh, so, so we're bringing in $5,700 a month. Where, on average, very variable, where is that money going? Um, about half of it goes towards my housing. So that includes mortgage, insurance, everything, uh, $3,200 a month, utilities as well. Um, my three-year-old costs us about $1,500 a month. Of that, $1,250 is going towards childcare. Uh, household and food were just under $1,000 a month with food taking $600 of that. My wife and I spend about 325 or uh, sorry, $375 each a month, so $750 for us, and that's haircuts through alcohol, through, um, I don't know, a new microphone for my computer for a bigger pockets interview. Um, and then we've got travel it was $350 a month last year, which was all kind of combined into one big trip. Um, I am Canadian, so we have universal health care, but I do pay for some private health insurance for dental, vision, um, any kind of pharmacare stuff. Uh, giving includes gifts and charities at about $300 a month, all told. My cars, uh, $750 a month. The vast majority of that is payment towards a $30,000 car loan. And then restaurant, $150 a month. So if you add all that up, it re runs into about $8,250 a month. So that's negative $2,600 uh, is the difference, if you, you might have noticed. Yep, we, we, we can definitely definitely see that. Okay. Where is, um? how much cash do you, oh, go ahead, Mindy. I was going to say right here, I can see a couple of things to discuss, uh, but Scott's got a better point. Let's let's finish up the numbers first, and then let's go back and talk about these. Where's the, um, where where um, are your assets and how much cash do you have? So cash, uh, I used to have a lot more cash. Uh, we've been living off of my savings for a while. So I'm down to somewhere in the $10,000 in cash. Uh, and then assets, if you add my cars together, they're worth about $35,000. But uh, my wife's car being the vast majority of that. Uh, and then my business has about five grand in it, something like that. Uh, a bunch of outstanding invoices. And are we getting into equity now? Do you want to get into equity now as well? Yeah, let's do all your net worth. So we, we have so, we have $15,000 in cash. Um, roughly. And then I've got two rental properties with total equity of about 210000 and my primary residence with almost $370,000 in it in equity. Awesome. So just shy of six hundred k net worth. Okay, so so you know you you obviously can see that you're cash flow negative right now and have fifteen thousand dollars in cash. I'm sure that that is somewhat stressful for you. Um, it uh, yes, it's starting to come to a head. For a while it was okay. Now it's starting to feel very very stressful. <laughs> yeah. So what's 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 the the do you have a do you have a plan of action or a set course there to to resolve the situation or what is your what is your thought process there? I mean, temporarily, obviously, there's things we can cut out of that budget that we might need to for a little bit. Um, and there's, there's a few different ways we're going to approach that. I mean, restaurant spending and personal spending both have to come down temporarily, uh, hopefully temporarily, I suppose. And the child care spending, uh, we just filed our taxes two or three weeks ago. And theoretically, we will now qualify for a subsidy for child care spending because our income was kept very low last year in 2021. So I'm kind of hoping to bring that down uh, by almost $1,000 a month. And then obviously some of these variable expenses or expenses we can control more has to come down as well. Um, 
And of course, at the same time, I'm focusing on actually invoicing my customers as opposing to leaving the invoices on the side as something I'll get to eventually. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, let's talk about paying yourself first and your company needs to get paid first. And I don't know how a job works. Is it, do you do the work and then you bill for the entire thing at the end or do you bill hourly every week or can you set it up in a different way? So there's a different stream of income. So there's kind of two different streams of income for the business. The energy audits that I do, uh, typically residential, and those are organized through a service organization. So I bill them directly for that. And that I typically do monthly, relatively straightforward, and it's about half of the revenue I'm getting right now. Um, The other half is engineering projects where typically they're only $1,000 to $3,000 in size. And I have been generally billing after work complete. Um, And the issue that I've had with that is work tends to stretch on. And even if I'm charging extra for the extra work, I'm not sending out the invoices. So I'm actually owed around, what is it, $35,000 right now uh, in, in my business. That hasn't come in. Okay. So with the energy audit, this sounds like it is set up through like a government agency? Sort of. They're a nonprofit, but it is a government-run program, which is why it's quite so busy right now. We have a program in Canada where houses can get up to $5,000 back to do green things, basically, and they require the energy audit to begin with. Are you doing this personally, or is this being done by an, uh, an employee? So to follow the rules, which of course I do, I have to go in and actually do the pictures and and taking the do the actual energy audit. Uh, my employee does the background math and work, and then I sign off on it before it goes into the organization. Okay, um, and let's see. I'm trying to think if you're doing these jobs weekly, you should be billing them weekly. And is there any difference? in a job or is it just, it pays a hundred dollars. So here's a bill for a hundred dollars or is it like, how does that bill work? There's minor differences, but for the most part, it's $300 per house roughly. Um, And my contract with that company says I'm supposed to bill them monthly. Oh, okay. So, so let's just, forgetting about the, stepping away from invoicing the customer and the timing of cash collections, which I don't think is your fundamental problem. It could be a problem. Um, but yes. it, it may it may accelerate the payments to some degree. But let's just do some simple math. You said your business is going to do one hundred and twenty thousand dollars annually right now, and it could do to up to two hundred and ten thousand dollars with its current situation, right? Roughly, yeah. You you just hired your second employee, and both employees cost fifty thousand dollars. Yes, although I did forget to mention that one of those employees is subsidized for the next six months at eighty percent. So that fifty k becomes ten k uh, for six months, if that makes sense. Say that one more time. Um, one of my employees comes with a young engineer's grant, basically, to the business. So he costs me 50000 and then somebody pays me back 40000 of those, um, of that, that salary cost. Okay. So, yes. What you said was correct, except I forgot to mention that I am getting a subsidy for one of those employees. Okay, so we have, we have $60,000 in expenses on $120,000 in current run rate revenue. Yes. Okay. So that that's your fundamental problem right there is $60,000 in revenue with your business is not enough to sustain your lifestyle. Right? So okay. you it, it, it you do not yet have a viable business. Let's do the math on your end state 6 months to a year from now. 
you think best case scenario, you're going to get to $210,000 per year in revenue, right? Best case might be strong. I think that's my expected case, uh, looking at the projects I'm quoting on right now. Okay. Your anticipated yeah. case is 210, 220,000, let's call 200,000 in revenue yeah. in a year from now. And you're going to have two employees each being paid $50,000. The grant will be over with at that point? Yeah, it will be. Okay, so you're gonna you're gonna net one hundred thousand dollars in in um, revenue or in in gross margin, I guess we'll call it um, sure. at this point. You will have other expenses you will have to pay for your business besides the employees. What what are some of those expenses that you have? Uh, it's actually a relatively low overhead business, but yes, there are expenses. It's roughly three thousand dollars a year in insurance. Another. Th- Let's just call it three thousand again in terms of engineering licenses and keeping up to date with all of that stuff. Um, and then the only other one I really pay for regularly is paying myself a, a mileage allowance for my car. What about your engineers? Will they have mileage allowance? No, they are work from home and uh, aren't going anywhere. Do they have equipment that you pay for? Uh, nope, I'm limited. Our contract has them paying. I, I pay for paper if they print. That's about it. Um, and then there's a couple of software licenses as well. So it's another thousand dollars or so on top of that. Uh, all told, expenses are running in at about ten to twelve thousand dollars a year, except for employees. Um, and I had some setup costs, obviously, but those are all done at this point. Okay. Um. So so your employees. So so we have two hundred thousand in income or in revenue. We have $100,000 in employee expense, and we have $12,000 in other incidentals as a sure. conservative estimate for your business, right? Yeah. So that brings you to um, $88,000 per year in income that you will then pay taxes on, um, yes. the net of which is what you can use to to fund your, fund your lifestyle. Your lifestyle costs eighty to fifty. Sure, yeah. So that, that will... Eighty-two fifty times twelve is ninety-nine thousand. Yep, that's that's the basic problem that I'm struggling with from from your business perspective here. So something has to change in order for that to work out. Either the expenses have to get have to get, and by the way, that's a, that's that's a year from now, right? So sure. fr- yeah. From that, so so something has to change in order to do this. What, what do you what do you where do you think the biggest leverage is? Uh, I just want to throw in there that I do have the two rental properties, which are cash flowing a little bit, uh, pretty safely, as well as my wife is going to go back to work as soon as she is able to. Um, Mm -hmm. And hopefully until then, the employment insurance keeps coming in. Um, So there is a little bit of a buffer there. My wife was making about 45 to to 50,000 a year before we started taking this medical leave. Got Um, it. Okay. So we have another 45,000 to 50,000 in income there. What, What are your goals? Six months ago, I would have said stabilize my income and uh, buy a couple more rental properties. Um, right now, what I really want to do is, is stabilize my business income at a much higher level. I want to grow the business and actually make it. I don't want to make $88,000 a year. That wasn't why I got into it. I could make $88,000 a year as an engineer at a job tomorrow if I really wanted to. Um, so that 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 is my focus right now is growing that uh, that business income up uh, and making sure my bottom line makes sense for all the work I'm putting in which which is a lot great that's what, that's what I figured your goal would be I wanted I wanted to make sure though that that was the right the right case here so let, let's go through the workload again what sure. what do you need the two employees to do uh, I need them to do a lot of the technical stuff where I am just double checking and 
providing my stamp. Uh, I don't know how it works elsewhere, but in Ontario, the stamp is sort of the engineer's seal. Without the stamp, things can't get built or pass building code. Uh, so generally how it works in engineering firms is the junior engineers will do a lot of the background, basic math, the basic drawings, that kind of thing, put it all together. Uh, and then the senior engineer will come in and review and stamp and provide to the the uh, customer. And how as long, well, how long does the work that the engineers are doing take you to do? Uh, oh, uh, I mean that's very variable. I'm I'm charging roughly a hundred and sixty dollars an hour for my time, and I'm charging sixty dollars an hour for the junior engineer's time. Uh, if that kind of helps with that, um, and that's probably fair in terms of how long it takes them to do something that that I would do as well right now. Here's here are some thoughts that are occurring to me. You, I do not believe you can afford a full time employee right now. I think I, I and I, I think you I think you can definitely not afford two full time employees. Um, I I think that based on the the high level things that I'm observing, I'm going to go drilling into this. You can tell me if I'm wrong with this, but my sure. instincts say that a reduction in force or a layoff is in your business's future for this because. It's going to come down to you depleting your cash reserves or you continuing to pay your employees with this, with with what is currently going on in this business. And that is not good news. I'm not going to pretend that that is good news um, or anything. But that that's what I that's what I see as it from with my CEO hat on in, in looking at your business as an out, as an outsider from this. When you say my time is built out at 160, and my team's time is built out at 60 dollars an hour, um, that's viable. If you're paying your team, you're paying your team $25 an hour, roughly with $50,000 a year. Um, but you are not actually getting that arbitrage because your income is so variable at this point. So you're not filling up. I can tell immediately that you're not filling up this, these engineers' time with billable hours in that 30 plus hours a week range that you can actually charge off to customers downstream. If you could fill that pipeline with 30 to 40 plus hours per week of time for your engineers um, to actually be doing that work, you might have a viable arbitrage business model there. But the, the simple unit economics don't appear to be working out. So how much time are these engineers billing in your business? Yeah. I mean, right now I have one, as I said, just started. So he is basically just doing training right now. And I did accept that there was going to be, I mean, obviously almost zero build hours out of him for a while. But your guy who is billing hours, how many, how many hours is the guy who is billing hours getting? Uh, she was billing about 25 hours a week, roughly. Um, a lot of that I was putting towards the the background math for the energy audits as I also trained her up. She is a new engineer. So I was also training her up to do uh, the, the drawings and the, the heat load calculations and the math basically. So she's billing $25, a, 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 a 25 hours a week yeah. at $60 an hour, um, to your clients, you should be bringing in 6,000 a month in revenue from that employee alone. Is that happening? Uh, that would be the goal. Like I said, right now she's, she was doing a lot of the background math for the audits. So I was paying out about 80 bucks for her to do an audit and I was getting paid 300 bucks to, to get that audit finished. Uh, and obviously I spent an hour and a half on it as well. Okay. So yeah. you've you got a services business here. So that means that the, the economics here are billable hours times rate times arbitrage, sure. right? <laughs> so, yeah. so you've got, you've got pretty easy math there and, and maybe this is a good first step, build a KPI dashboard that you're looking at on a weekly basis. 
how many hours am I billing out per week at my rate, which is, you said 320 or 160? Uh, 160. 160, yeah. Okay, my, my rate's 160. Um, what is my target goal for billable hours? And how do I get that number up? That is your number one job um, as the CEO of your small business. That's your highest revenue driver. If you're not billing 25, 30, 40, 40 hours a week, something's wrong um, yes. with that. And, and you're like, what, why do you have employees if they're not putting you on the clock, um, billing that time all the time, right? So if you're doing, let, let, let's just do that real quick. If you, if you can do um, uh, 25 hours a week, you're gonna do $16,000 a month. And now you're, now you're bumping against $200,000 in annual income alone just from you. Right. Is that possible? Is it possible to get you to 25 hours a week in billable time? Just, just for me? Yes. Um, I mean, the work is there. Yes. Uh, I think I spend a lot of time in the background right now as well, doing the sales, the the accounting, all the other stuff. But 25 hours is roughly what I'm doing at the moment. Um, it's just not all of it is, sorry, it would be 25 hours. This is complicated because I, I fix price jobs generally, which is something else I have to stop doing. Um, I, I need to start doing time and materials because things go over uh, through no fault of my own. Um, but I'm, I'm working more than 25 hours a week for customers. I'm just not billing for all of those hours, if that makes sense. Oh, I got no, no yeah. trouble believing you're working more than 25 hours a week. Uh, <laughs> yes. don't, don't worry about yes. that. No, 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 one, no, one's, no one's worried about that. Uh, the question is, yeah, are you billing that to, to customers there? So that needs to be like, I, I would set up, I would, I would like come off the call today. I would go back for the last three months and I'd say, how much billable time am I, am I putting in? How much bill? And then putting it daily and weekly weekly dashboard and saying, how many hours am I billing at my rate and what is my blended rate, right? If you're doing contract projects and they take you six hours and you're billing them and you're, and you're billing them at like 300 bucks, you're doing 50 hour, dollar an hour work yeah. um, with that. So you need to be honest with that and say, my goal, my number one business goal is to get my time billed out as close to 40 hours a week as possible, not to get my employees time billed out at $60 an hour, right? Sure, that's that's yeah. that's way worse arbitrage. Your revenue is coming from your time on um, with this, and then that t that would inform your employment your employee strategy, right? You don't you don't want you, you maybe you may not even want an engineer if if you come to that conclusion. You may say no, an executive assistant is what I really need um, because they will be booking me and and keeping track of my billable hours, hounding the customers for payment, invoicing them doing all of the other stuff that that is taking my time away from billable hours. That is a unit of value in your business right now is you yes. um, and your time. Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> and, and, and that's fine. That's how you get started, right? And then after, yeah. after you get booked fully out, okay, now I'm going to bring on the next person and bill their time out at a hundred bucks an hour and pay them, you know, in the hundred, the hundred, you know, $50 an hour range, the hundred grand range. Now you got even better arbitrage than I think with with these these other engineers. It sounds like there's work there if is is for the hundred and sixty dollar an hour team. But that that's how you'd build a scalable uh, enterprise here with with um, a services based business. I think. Yeah, I, I can't disagree. Um, I think that is my goal uh, right now. I've been spending a lot of time training and bringing my new engineers up so that I I can get them doing some of the more background work and actually build them out. Um, 
and I have been tracking every hour I spend is tracked. So it's too right. expensive to do yeah. that, right? You, you can't do that because with your business model, I can just, you can tell that by looking at the very simple high level math here, your time's worth $160 an hour. Their time's worth $60 an hour. You're arbitraging at best $30 an hour time, right? So if, if you're working, if you work a 40 hour week and for billable hours, we're talking, what is that? That's $25,000 per month in income. That's, that's uh, 300 grand annualized. Every hour that you're not working training your employee, they're going to arbitrage you $30 an hour, maybe, which at you, some point, yes, not today, at some point, yes. and they're not going to get up to that full, that full level. So you're, you're spending $160 an hour time to make $30 an hour, maybe downstream. Um, and so that that's I think your fundamental problem here and why you're upside down on your your cash flow situation is these employees are killing you um, from your, your bottom line. They may be good people, they may be doing all the right things, but but that but that the the unit of value in your business is not their time. It's your time. So I have a question. I don't disagree with Scott as much as I want to because we're talking about two people and their jobs and. Um, I would love to disagree with Scott and be like, hey, I've got a great solution, but I don't. Um, I'm wondering about the energy audits. Yeah. You're getting $300 for these, but yes. how much time does it take to do an audit? I'm talking like from the time you leave your office, you drive to wherever this property is located, take the pictures. And I'm a real estate agent. I'm out there yeah. looking at houses all day long. I'm not even looking at their energy stuff. It is really easy to spend an hour in a house just looking around and taking pictures and you know talking to the people but then you have to come back and do the engineering work which your employees may be doing but and you know write the report and submit the bill i think these are taking a lot longer than 2 hours total which yes. is agreed your time and i mean i'm thinking it's probably more like 3 or 4 hours so now you're down to uh what $60 an hour making on these audits? Roughly, yes. And that has definitely been at the front of my mind recently. I started doing the audits more as a filler than as something I wanted to do full time. Um, and the demand for them, like I'm booked out through the end of June for them already right now, um, just because there's been so much demand for them. Um, so I've, I've had, I keep, I did start pulling back. I'm down to doing at the beginning of June, I'll be doing three a week instead of five a week. Um, and I'm hoping to bring them back even further. Uh, but yes, the the time, the dollar per hour rate for them is nowhere near as high as what I get when I'm engineering. You said it's five hours? Yeah. Uh, no, it's it's less than five hours. I, I batch them together. So I, I'm doing two or three in a day uh, on the road. And then it takes another day to, to get through those. So that's 900 bucks over two days, roughly. Uh, 900 bucks over two days. So, so 900 divided by 16. What is that? I don't know. Let's get a calculator. $56 an yeah. hour. And that, okay. yeah, that's about what I've, I've worked it out to be so hourly for those for me. Yeah. That That's why you have a lot of demand for that. Your time's worth 160 bucks and people are getting you for $56 an hour. So yeah, you're going to have to make that yeah. all day. Yeah. Right. Now that's okay. That's a hundred grand a year um, from that, but that's not okay. If you have, a, if you have two employees who cost a hundred grand a year, right? So you, yes. you, you cannot do activity. If you, if you have two employees that cost that, you cannot be doing activities that are less than a hundred dollars an hour, in my opinion. Um, and you have to be doing a lot of activities that are 
100 to 150 dollars an hour in order to make up for that you can do fewer activities that are 500 or a thousand dollars an hour um yeah. with, with two employees with that but you cannot be doing this is this will this will bankrupt you um it won't bankrupt you right away because you've got a strong core financial position you obviously made a lot of good decisions in the past and, and are strong with money overall um so you're not in like an emergency mode here but no not yet although we are heading that direction uh, as i've noticed when i'm tracking my like my net worth keeps going up because housing prices are so ridiculous and I own three of them. Uh, but my cash on hand and actual cash flow numbers have certainly not been trending that way. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm curious. Have you been struggling to keep your vacation rental booked? I totally get it. It's tough to manage and keep filled. But we found something that really works. It's called Vacasa. They've seriously changed the game for a lot of the BP audience. In almost every market they're in, Vacasa manages to fill up the calendar more than anyone else. And get this, the average Vacasa user sees about 24% more bookings than with other managers. That's a lot of extra income. Curious to see what you could be earning? You can get a personalized income estimate right there. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at what Vacasa can do for you. Check out biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A, biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa. Real estate investing is great, but for some, the tenant phone calls and clogged toilets aren't all that attractive. So how do you invest in real estate without getting your hands dirty? Invest for truly passive income with Pine Financial Group. Pine's mortgage fund offers an 8% preferred return and an attractive profit split with 70% of profits going to the investors. You'll earn passive income by participating in lending to house flippers. And it's secure because senior lien holders, that's you, get paid first. Their rigorous underwriting process and the backing of the physical asset provide additional security in case of borrower default. Plus, by investing with Pine Financial Group, you contribute to the revitalization of communities by redirecting your funds from Wall Street to Main Street, supporting local economies, and generating profits simultaneously. This investment is reserved for accredited investors, but if you are not accredited, Pine Financial has options for you too. Don't miss this opportunity to back Main Street over Wall Street and start earning passive real estate income. Learn more about investing with Pine at pinefinancialgroup.com BP. That's pinefinancialgroup.com BP. What if I told you that I, Mindy Jensen, the queen of budgeting, the personal finance fanatic, sometimes forgot to cancel my subscriptions? I know, it's horrible. $10 here, $15 there. My useless subscription bills could have taken my whole family out to dinner multiple times. Rocket Money can make all that subscription sadness 
suddenly vanish. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. You can see all your subscriptions in one place and cancel money-sucking subscriptions with a tap. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash bpmoney. That's rocketmoney.com slash bpmoney. Rocketmoney.com slash bpmoney. Well, okay, so let's come up with some actions here that we can do here, right? We've, uh, we've discussed some, I think we've, we've zeroed in the problem and it's an uncomfortable one, but it, do you agree that we've zeroed in the problem? I think so, yes, yes. Okay, so, so first option, um, and, and the one that I, I would recommend here would be f- helping, explaining the situation to your employees and helping them find a new home um, with that. Right. That, that, may, that may not be something you're willing to consider there, um, but I'm, it's a good market. I'm sure they'll be able to find other work. Um, if you give them, you know, hey, in two months, I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm going to keep paying you till then. But here's the deal. I, I, I got to fix this. So that's option one. Um, option two is to try, to try to stick it out and perform a deep analysis and say, how much $160 an hour work is there for me? How much, how, how many billable hours can I get in per week in a realistic long-term scenario for me? And do my current employees aid me in actually realizing that income? Right. Right. I think that's going to be difficult because I think that in order to maximize your time, you need to sell the client, which you're not going to get paid for, um, for, for, for these deals. And you got to do that. Then the best case scenario is that that's an hour pitch or something like that. Your um, executive assistant books all of the thing, all, all of the the meetings, take care, takes care of all of the billing, collects all the revenue, um, drives your schedule, make sure that they're, they're, that those are, the, those are the appointments. I think best case scenario, you're getting in 25 to 30 hours a week of billable, billable time, yeah. and you're working 50 hours a week in order to get that billable time. So that's not bad. That'll get you to 200 plus thousand dollars in in net revenue um, before you pay the executive assistant with that. But that that's what I think is the the best case scenario here within a six month to to twelve month period for your business. What, what do you think? What, how, how's that? How's that logic working out? Well, when I was putting together my little summary for you guys today, this is the first time I've sat down and looked at my business financials in a while because I've been working 60 or 70 hours a week uh, without doing the financials. Um, and I was coming to kind of the same conclusion that obviously what I'm doing is is not working the way, uh, the way I'm running it right now. Um, there's certainly... I do think there is enough work on the table, like enough engineering projects that if I once at least one of these guys is up and running, I'm able to hand it to them, continue getting the sale on the next project um, and doing the stamping. Yeah, I feel there is enough business there, at least for for one employee, but uh, I do definitely agree an executive assistant is uh, probably very much worth the time because I spend way too much time and I do track every hour while I'm working uh, doing. An executive assistant is only worth the time if you can arbitrage your time for that that amount and you don't have your two employees. 
So this yes. is not this is not get an executive. My, don't, don't I'm not saying go get no, an no, executive. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not thinking I should also hire another <laughs> executive assistant. Yeah. Great. Now, now here's here's one thing to to think about with regards to your current employees, right? Yeah. There is an arbitrage opportunity here for you. You are getting business that they can perform for the most part, and you just put your stamp on the approval. I don't know if that's the right motion for a stamp. Um, you probably have a digital yeah, stamp. Close enough. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so you, you, uh, what you, what you could, this is, this is where I would consider using contractors instead of an employee. Right. And you say, Hey guys, this is not, but what I can do is I can help you find a good home that will have similar compensation overall with peers, in my network. And I will contract you for this work for a higher dollar per hour rate. Right. So right. right now you're paying them $25 an hour, pay them $45. Try the contract method so that when you actually get the work, you can bill it out to them and pay them $45 an hour. That's an enormous raise for them for the, for the, the work that they're actually doing that's adding value. And they can do it on a side project or afternoon, evenings and weekends if they so choose. I'm sure a lot of people would jump at the opportunity to make that kind of those kinds of dollars. Um, sure. And you can co- build these out in a contract basis. It'll cost you more per unit, but you don't have the risk of paying somebody fifty thousand dollars per year on your variable income. You only pay when you make money. Um, yeah. And then once you get to a certain scale, okay, now it's time to bring back the the full time employee because I know I've got enough consistent work of this nature that it will lower my overall costs and increase my profitability to bring in the employee. Yeah, I do want to clarify that they are paid hourly right now. It's not a salary. Um, and it is oh. understood that if I don't have things for them to do, they will not be. So you've already you've already mitigated hours. that risk. I, I have. I'm not. It's not. I'm not guaranteeing them fifty grand a year. I am paying them at about that rate. And right now, I have been having them work for about that amount of time. Uh, but like I said, a lot of it has been training, so not revenue generating. Okay. So 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 you will you will get to that level downstream. So the problem really is. Your billable hours are not. You're, you're, instead of putting your billable hours out, you're essentially generating work for these employees and arbitraging that. And that's not a. That is not enough to to cover your expenses. Uh, yes, at the moment, that is pretty much exactly where I sit. Yeah, I think it comes back to this energy audit. That's a lot of work, and I would be. I know you're tracking a lot of time or a, a lot of your expenses, but I would really be curious as to exactly how much time that audit takes you. Not just the typing up the math and yeah. all of that stuff, but driving there, taking the pictures, coming back and doing it. And even yeah. if you're batching it, like at what point you said you have to do it, they can't go and take the pictures and do the audit no. themselves. At what point could they and at what point would it be worth it for them to do that? Or is it just, I mean, I really come back to this thinking, this yeah. doesn't sound like these audits are really worth it. Do you have a contract that you have to fulfill no. obligations for? Or, I mean, I don't think it's fair that you just say, oh, I'm not going to do any more of these at all. You know, do whatever through June and then stop taking audits. Um you also said something about engineering work you're billing at the end of the job, and you said you're doing fixed price jobs instead of price and materials. Yeah. And I'm not sure what sort of materials you're doing. That's more of just a, a phrase. It's it's okay. basically just time. Yeah. Okay. Um, occasionally travel allowance if I have to drive to site, that kind of thing, but for the most part, time. Okay. So do you know how much time it takes to do a job? Like, oh, you want me to do X, Y, Z job 
that is probably going to be a 25 hour job. So at yes. 25 hours, it'll cost this. And if you need to increase the scope, then I'm going to need to increase my price. And I don't know how to phrase that, but I think setting up expectations up front is going to be really important and, and structuring the contracts differently. So you get paid in a different way, like 30% upfront to start the work and 30% when you deliver your first report or halfway through or whatever, and then 40% upon completion. So there's incentive for you to complete the job, but there's also, you're not waiting until the end for this $35,000 that, you know, all of a sudden plops into your account. It'll be a nice day when it happens, uh, well, but yeah, you know, um, I'm sitting over I, here in perfect world. But yeah, that, that, that's where that's where yeah. an, an executive assistant I think could be very powerful for your business. Like that would be the first place I would be looking in your shoes for an employee if I'm starting over and appraising my business um, as an outsider, I'm saying, right. "Great, like you shouldn't be like you should have somebody research a, a you know like put in place Mindy's terms and then they enforce that for you." Right, work does not begin or get scheduled on your calendar to begin until the first payment's received. You get going, um, finish the project through to completion, take a couple of sales calls for the next for you to build up your pipeline, and, and and go from there. That that's what a healthy business of your, um, in in your industry would would look like to some degree. And it's not this is not going to make you a billion dollars, but it, what it's a uh, I think a clear cut path to two three hundred thousand dollars in annualized income per year, maybe more if you're willing to put in. 50, 60 hour weeks um, to get that billable time up. And another thing to think about is, is $160 an hour a good rate for your level of experience and your level of uh, engineering prowess? I'm clearly not an engineer, so I don't know what I'm asking, but like, is that the going rate or are you billing yourself a little bit low? So that is a little bit low against the current rate for an engineer of my experience it's all actually published if you're paying the right fees um so that's like a 25 or 30 percent discount and part of that is that i don't have the overhead and part of it is that i i have the experience from my own old jobs that kind of thing but i don't have the track record yet so i've only i mean my business started two years ago uh but if you remember two years ago was march 2020 uh, so I didn't do a whole lot for six months. Uh, um, and I'm then not after laughing that, at you. Yes. No, it was great. I actually incorporated on like March 16th and then Canada shut down as a whole on March 17th. So uh, yes, oh. it was a great start. But um, what I was trying to say there is I don't have, I, I was pricing low to begin with and it is on my, like this summer as things start to ramp up, construction projects are ramping up again uh, to raise that rate for my own billable hours. Um, and Yes, I do want to start quoting not as fixed price, but as estimates based on the job and then tracking my hours uh, because I already track all my hours and that's the way I should be doing it. So yeah. two, two years from now, you're, you're telling me you could be billing 200 or 225 an hour for, yes. for these services and put, putting your income closer to three to $400,000 per year, right? So now now we're talking now now we got now we got a little dental practice here or something i don't know if that's what the dentists make probably more uh, but but the... probably more but yes yeah. it's in it could be in that similar time range i think a big part of it is i i don't mind working 40 to 60 hours or sorry 50 to 60 hours a week and i've been obviously doing it um i would like to part of the reason i was bringing on employees uh, maybe early was to make sure that i can shove some of the work onto them 
and and not work the 50 60 hours of sitting there designing ducks um which yeah yeah i don't know if you've ever designed duck work but it's not fun you know i, I think <laughs> yeah. i think i think that um continuing to, to study the art of business and building a business is going to be really important for you because you you're uh I, I, I don't, I think I'm just sensing you did not optimize for unit economics here and say, what are the actual things that drive revenue and profit in my business? And we've, we've identified them here. The number one thing is your time, right? It's, it's a senior engineer's time. Um, arbitraging, you know, unless you, you could also start with a different thesis, which is I'm going to, I'm going to actually arbitrage junior engineers time um, for these projects. And I'm going to need 40 of them in order to drive this level of profit with that. That would also be a viable business model, right? right. Um, with that, but I don't think that's what you're, what you're necessarily going for here. It sounds like the path to easy street financial freedom to a certain degree is get your time up to 35, 40 hours a week, move your rates toward the 225, say two years from now, I want to be billing out 35, 30 to 45 hour, 30 to 40 hours a week. 25 to 40 hours a week, whatever you think is reasonable there, in billable hours at $225 an hour and say, what do I need to do to back in there? Well, first, I've got to start billing out my time right now at $160 an hour. That should be easy um, because I'm undercutting the market by 40% um, with all of these things. In theory, the business should be there. How do I get that business? Well, I've got to sell it. Um, then I've got to schedule it. Then I've got to book it. Some of those things are things only I can do, and some of those things are something are 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 activities that someone much less skilled than I can do. And which of those activities can be done there? Great. If I'm hiring an executive assistant and they're idle much of the time, but it's saving you from having yeah. to do 10, 20 hours a week like of work, you're you're making really good arbitrage on that executive assistant in that particular case. And maybe you can get a fractional, someone someone fractional or can do can do that 10, 15 hours a time um sure. a time with that. But that's that's the path I see for that. The the third option here, so we had two options. First one was go with, continue working your current business and consider layoffs for, yeah. for your current employees or finding them a new home. The second option is um part of that first one. Uh, enacting part part one, but then also saying, okay, let's let's consider hiring an executive assistant and and mapping out my time so that I'm I'm moving that business towards the maximum number of hours. I guess that's really the same option there. The third option here, though, is the next option is just close the business and go get a job in this space. Let's let's but like, and I don't I don't want to I don't want to dismiss that out of hand. What does a job you could get a W two job pay? It's called a T four in Canada. Uh, eighty T4. to uh, yeah, eighty to one hundred and twenty thousand would be kind of the expectation. That depends if I go on the technical side, where it's probably more in the eighty to one hundred, or the sales side, which is where I used to be, uh, which would be one hundred to one hundred and twenty, roughly. Great. So that would immediately either option would immediately result in a huge increase in income over your yes. current state, and. The second option would be more than the best case scenario for your business or the expected case for your business one year from now with without any right. major changes. So I think you should you should uh, look at those and coldly appraise that math and okay. think through, okay, if I'm going to run a business for myself, I got to make much more than that because that's 40 hours a week, 45 yeah. probably, and you're home and, and relaxing after that. So there has to be a premium above that if you're going to work 50 to 60 hours or some sort of advantage to your your business which agreed yeah i could i could guess right now is going to be a lot of work that is frustrating and hard 
um, perhaps rewarding too with with a lot of the you know with, with a lot of that. But but that's not giving you the income that you could be getting right. from a yeah from a a W two T four yes a T four exactly <laughs> yeah. sorry about that I didn't uh, know that it was called a T four <laughs> yeah it's it's. I don't know. We we have our own tax free savings account as well. We we tend to name like you guys have what the the Roth IRA, the all these other ones that I hear about all the time on your show. We've got tax free savings account, which is exactly what it sounds like. We put money in and it grows tax free and we can take it out at any time. RRSP, which is the one where we put in that's pre tax dollars. Um and those are kind of the, the, the two. That's that's about it. There's employee plans and stuff, but yeah, RRSP is a registered retirement savings plan. Just and a then simpler way of life yeah. up there. Everything is just a little <laughs> bit a little bit different. But I like our TFSA because I can put money in and take it out at any time tax free. Um, it yeah. So anyway. yeah, I want that too. I want to take money out tax free anytime instead of at age fifty five. You're not allowed to do some like you're not allowed to day trade in it. There's some rules, but as long as it's just general savings and investing, you can pull that money out tax-free. So, yeah. Wow. Nice. Hmm. Uh, Scott, I've got a couple of things. Um, before we shutter your business, and I'm not, um, again, I really want Scott to be wrong, um, but I don't think that he is. Can you hire a salesperson to sell your time so you're billing at 160 instead of not, instead of pitching these jobs? And your wife is currently on medical leave. Does she have any capacity to help out with executive assistanting in any way? So we did try that. And that actually is her general role in, in real life or before my leave was executive assistanting. Um, she, she's just really not able to right now. Okay. Uh, okay. So we, we tried and it, it wasn't going to work. Um as for hiring a salesperson, I find that I do find it difficult. Um, a lot of the the sales I am getting is from people I know in the landlording community, basically, um, and it's starting to come in cold. Where my website is just generating, I'm, I'm getting cold calls from people now, which is is nice, uh, as opposed to going out to them. Um, obviously, there's background work there, but that can maybe is more of an executive assistant than it is a salesperson. I think. Um, because there's certainly enough work to keep me busy. Like the, the projects I have just lined up right now could keep me alone going for two or three months. Probably at, at fifty dollars an hour. No, at at my at one hundred sixty. Okay, at one sixty. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. what if they can keep you going for two or three months? What is preventing you from billing at one sixty an hour for two or three months? And I'm not like I'm not trying to be yeah. mean. No, no, absolutely. Because I mean, there's more to it than just you know, sit down and bill at $160 an hour. Like that would be so easy. Um, well, after this conversation, I've noticed that it is all the time I'm spending training my employees and not billing uh, and the energy audits, which, you know, I'm I'm not contractually obligated to do. You had asked earlier if there was a contract. There is not. I could theoretically just say, no, I'm not doing it anymore um, at any time. Um, but those obviously take up quite a few hours as well as, training employees and, and getting them up to speed has been taking quite a few hours. Um, so that's kind of why I haven't been billing at 160 bucks an hour straight. Okay. And with regards to the audits, where do your employees have to be in order to be able to do the audit? Do they need more schooling or do they just need more years of experience? So they would need to pass a exam. Um, 
but as soon as they pass the exam, they have no need of me, if that makes sense. Uh, there's enough ah. demand right now that they could go directly to a service organization and just start doing them on their own if they wanted to. Okay. Um, which I have pointed out to them uh, that it is a possibility in the future. Um, one of them could probably pass the test today. The other one could pass the test in a month pretty easily if they wanted to go that route. Not everybody wants to do their own thing. So true. How, it, it does. What does it cost to take this test? Uh, nominal amount, nominal. like not enough to worry about. Yeah. I wonder if there's any benefit to having the one who could pass it today take the test and take over the audits. Uh, she is actually based about four hundred and no, four hundred miles away from me, roughly. Ah, okay. Uh, so no benefit <laughs> um, whatsoever. No benefit to me. Uh, if we are talking about finding the mother homes and she could pass that test tomorrow, she could start doing them for a service organization in her area um, if she wanted to. I'm not sure if she wants to. She hasn't really expressed the interest, but it could be an option. Well, I, I think based on what I'm hearing, this is a great place to stay away from, from your business. Um, you know, or, or conversely, hey, if you go if you go into... If you just embrace these those audits and you say, I'm not going to have any employees, I'm just going to do audits all day, um, that's 100K a year right there if you can do, yes. if, if you can yeah. do them right there. So, so that is a viable income income stream for sure. Um, it's not going to get you to the several hundred thousand dollars in income, but you could you could certainly make a living and, and, and fund all your expenses and maybe begin building wealth, especially when your wife goes back to work with, with that yeah. as a full-time. I also don't have to be scheduled this far in advance for them. So what I just thought about when you said that is I could obviously say, okay, nope, don't book me anymore at the end of June. Like don't fill my calendar anymore with those. Um, and then if I have downtime in the engineering work, there's nothing stopping me from calling them and saying, hey, can I take two this week? And I'd be able to get two that week. Absolutely. Uh, they've got a cancellation list a mile long. And they will for at least six or eight months from now. So, um, yep. yeah, that that actually does make a lot of sense on that side. Did, did you? We talked a lot about the business today, and I think for good reason. That's the that's yes. the the big item in your and your situation Absolutely. with this that we have to figure out here. But is there anything else that you want to talk about besides the business? No, I mean I know I we we need to cut back on our personal spending, um, and we know where we can do that. As I think I mentioned kind of early on there. Um, it's not easy. We have gotten used to living, you know, I used to make $110,000 a year in the sales role and my wife was making 50 and we didn't have a kid at that time. So yeah, that, you know, we, we started spending money um, and it, it's hard to pull back, but it's not impossible at all to pull back. And, and we know we, we have to for a bit here. One of the biggest expenses that I see just jumping out is the childcare expense. Yes. $1,250 a month. And this is going to sound super insensitive. Please email me, Mindy at biggerpockets.com and tell me what a terrible person I am. But if your wife is on medical leave, $1,250 a month can go really far in other places. We but tried, we tried this. Kids as well. are, we, I mean, I was a stay at home mom. Kids are a full time and a half job. It's not like she's just laying on the couch, eating bonbons all day and watching TV while your child goes to school. She's you're typically on medical leave for a reason. And and that's what it comes down to. She is on medical leave for a reason. And we did try. Uh, we had my son home for, for two weeks straight. What Just without canceling daycare, because daycare spots are impossible to get uh, in Ottawa. Impossible. Uh, so, you know, we, we spent two weeks with my son at home and it just, it was not feasible, um, okay. unfortunately. So 
I know someone's listening and saying, why didn't you ask about that? Well, yeah, so that's fair. And it is a a fair question. We try. Uh, And, you know, there is cheaper daycares available. But once again, it would take months just to get into them, um, potentially. And it's something we love our current daycare. It's not really where we want to cut. We have other opportunities to cut. um, So we're going to start there. Um, And we don't have any family that's capable of taking care of a child either. So before anybody has, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, there's, I mean, childcare is a difficult one to try and cut. And like you said, getting a good childcare, it's worth paying it just to, to test it out. That was a really smart move. And then, you know, just because she's on medical leave now doesn't mean that she's not, that she's going to continue forever. When she goes back to work, you would need the child care again. Um, yes, how old exactly. is your son? Three and a bit. Yeah. Okay. So he's, you've got a couple more years of that. Yes. And, and he's a January be- baby. So it will be as long as possible before he actually makes it into preschool. Yes. <laughs> yes. I had a November baby. Same thing. Well, how about any, any other areas that we can talk about? I'm just looking over my, my income and, debt statements here, but I, I don't think so. Um, yeah, I don't really think so. I mean, I, I've been spending a fair amount of time on my rental properties lately as well, uh, because we had a sewage backup in one of them. Uh, yes, that face exactly, Mindy. Um, I've had a sewage took, backup. Yeah, took insurance almost eight months to get through that. Um, and we haven't actually rented that apartment back out yet. We're hoping to get it on the market for early May. Uh, so I spend a lot of time there, um, but the cash flow and the appreciation we've seen on that has been ridiculous. Uh, so that three hundred and fifty dollars a month for rental one, once we get that running again, we're probably looking at uh, almost eight hundred nine hundred dollars a month of cash flow there, as well. Uh, and that's after I put aside money for furnaces, uh, roofs, all the other stuff. It's it's nice. It's a good it's a good property. <laughs> that's great. Other than that, I, I don't really have anything else and. Uh, any questions? I think this has been very useful. Um, I'm going to have to sit down with my employees and, and see where they want to go. I, I would like to take advantage of the 80% grant for six months because uh, even if he's, if I'm paying him uh, 20 cents on the dollar, um, at the very least, he'll be able to run through the energy audit background stuff for me and some of the other stuff for a while. Yeah, that makes perfect uh, and, sense. Yeah. yeah. And it is an internship. So theoretically, there's no obligation to keep going after that. Uh, but yes, anyway, I'll have to sit down with them and see where they want to go and, and how we can approach this. Before before you sit down, I would I would come take out your spreadsheet and yes. I would say line item K, KPI one key um, performance indicator one is my billable hours. How many hours right. did I bill? What was my blended rate? Right? How many did sure. I bill at fifty six effectively? How many did I bill at one hundred and sixty? Right? And say okay, that was this this week. Next week I'm going to move it up from. 75 to $77 an hour. Then I'm going to move it up and I'm going to get 15 hours instead of 10 build. Then I'm going to go. And, and if you just start, mark, if, you, if you just put that on your scorecard as your number one thing, then you can put secondary one is uh, employee number one, billable hours, <laughs> yeah. uh, rate charged to customer, rate paid to employee spread, right? Um, with that. So you can, if you can come up with a, just a simple set of KPIs on, you know, half a page of a Word document put in a spreadsheet, you know, yes. 10, 15, 20 lines in a spreadsheet and just update them, populate them once a week. 
I think you will see magic happen over a few months in terms of your revenue output. And the thing is, I have all the background information. I have how much money I'm billing, how much time I'm working on each job, how much time they're working on each job or training. Like I, it's all there. I just need to put it together. Uh, yeah. So and, and call yes. call your employees yeah. in together and show them. Yeah. Right after yeah. you've done oh, it for a couple of weeks, yeah. have your weekly KPI meeting and say, yeah. here's where we're at. Like, you know, yeah. like people pe- people understand capitalism with this. Like they they need to <laughs> yes. produce more economics than they cost in order for it yeah. to be a viable employment arrangement. Yeah. Right. And and you can say, great, this is this is the goals of the business. And hey, here's a little reward if we start hitting some of these bigger goals. That'd be one sure. way to, to begin salvaging things with the, the current folks if you wanted to do that. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to sit down and run through all of that. Um, yeah, lots of good ideas and options here. Well, some not so great, but things that I might have to do anyway. Uh, so, yeah. Yep. If you have uh, three to six months. Um, before you run out of cash, so not yes. not an emergency, but but time is ticking to to think. To be, I mean, I started this process. I'm conservative when I estimate these things. I will say, I started this process with three to six months of of cash, and that was two years ago. Um, and I still have three to six months of okay. of cash. But yes, you're you're 100 right. Uh, I have seen that it's been trending downwards anyway. So yeah. Yep. Well, Chris, thank thank you for sharing this. This is a valuable perspective that I think a lot of people are struggling with, um, and I think that you're. You know, I, I'm. I, we're, I think we're really grateful that you've come on to talk about this. I know there were some some hard conversations or hard hard feedback that we had for you, but uh, I think this is going to help a lot of people um, to to hear what you're going through because I think that this is going to be much more common um, than 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 we than, than we'll hear from a lot of it. There's a lot of. Um, I think it's tough as a business owner to kind of come in and say, I don't really know how to get this thing to the profit level that I want to get it to from that. And that's, I think, takes a lot of courage. And I think we're really grateful for, for you to come on. And, I will know. say that when I originally applied, I was making 100K a year as an energy auditor and without any employees. Uh, and it was going to be very straightforward. And then I tried to, I uh, started growing and it's six months later. So yeah, things change, but uh, I'm glad I came on anyway. I, I didn't need to, to talk about it. You know what? It. That's a really good point. Life changes. Yeah really mm-hmm. quickly and your plans i bet your plans six months ago were a little different than they than what's going on right now a lot of my yep. plans six months ago are different than what is the reality of my life and that's you know that's something to keep in mind your plans should be fluid because life is fluid yeah absolutely okay chris thank you so much for your time today thank you for sharing your story i really appreciate it thank you guys very much for having me this was Kind of fun. Mostly fun. (laughs) (laughs) It was interesting. Yes. Yes. Okay. We'll talk to you soon. Scott, that was Chris, the engineer from Canada. And I really, really, really wanted you to be wrong with your suggestions. I don't think you are. I think that it's kind of a harsh reality for a lot of business owners listening to this. Just because you own a business does not mean that it will be instantly profitable. And, you know, what a lot of business owners do is hire too late. They're swamped with work and they're so swamped and they're working, you know, 90, 150 hours a week, and then they hire somebody. And I think maybe in this instance, Chris hired a little too soon. I, yeah, I, I, first of all, I hope I'm wrong as well. Um, I think that the, the the real problem for entrepreneurs and CE first time CEOs and and uh, and a lot of a lot of this is it's really hard to get the structure of your organization right 
in the early days? What actually, what skill set and employees do I actually need? And how does that work with where I want to get to a year, two years, three years from now? And so that's where, you know, I, I think it's really hard to be able to come up with that, right? An engineering firm needs engineers. That seems logical. Well, when we unpack it, maybe it's more logical that the unit of value in Chris's business is Chris's time and the employees that maximize the ability for him to bill hours are more valuable than many Chris's. Um, many Chris's being more junior Chris's that are able to do some of the work, the engineering work, but not all of the engineering work. And so that's, that I think is, is hard and it's a guessing game and hindsight's twenty twenty. Um, maybe, you know, it's, it, it's easy for us to look at the situation now and be, oh, we could have done this. And that. It's really hard to do that in the act of building a business, right? A year ago, his situation could have looked like, Hey, I'm doing all this, all this, 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 uh, these jobs that look like this, here's what the, this employee, um, will help me do and, and free up my time and all that kind of stuff. I think it's just a, a challenge there. So no, no blame game going anywhere. Um, in the discussion today, I just think uh, a, a, a cold look at the reality of the situation to me suggests that that business is not going to sustain two employees and Chris's family. And I, like I said, I want you to be wrong, but I don't think you are. Um, and another option, another viable option is to go back and get a job to get over this hump while his wife is on medical leave. That could be you know, you don't shutter the business necessarily. You put it on hold. Maybe you do one extracurricular job instead of, you know, a whole full-time job's worth of extracurricular jobs uh, while you're waiting for, you know, life to kind of stabilize. But I think being fluid in life is the best way to live life. Make good plans, but be fluid with them. It, it makes you wonder, I don't know, but I wonder aloud whether service professionals that offer their time and bill them out, um, you know, what, what the difference between a W-2 um, and starting their own practice really is. Is there, is there, I, you'd imagine there's going to be a period where there's going to be a lot less income and then a period where there could be a lot more income or, but, but I bet you the spread isn't, isn't massive for most folks in kind of the mid-career Days of that. Perhaps the advantages of going into business for yourself need to be in the form of much higher income or scalable opportunity or lifestyle benefits in order for the switch from a W-2 in a field like Chris's or law or something like that to owning your own own practice with that. Um, or you need to be willing to put in the 70, 80 hours a week, 60, 70, 80 hours a week for many years to get that off the ground to then have you know, the cake and eat it too, the more income and the better lifestyle. Yeah. I think you hit the, the nail right on the head there, Scott. If you don't have, if you're not making more money and you're not having a better income or a better lifestyle, you know, if you, if you reduce your income, but you're also working, you know, 10 hours a week, that's great if that's what you want. But if you don't have either, then it may be time to really seriously reassess. Yep. Okay. Scott, should we get out of here? Let's do it. From episode 296 of the Bigger Pockets Money podcast, he is Scott Trench, and I am Mindy Jensen saying, gotta go, Buffalo.
The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom and the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into real estate investing or take it to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With the Bigger Pockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com slash deals, enter a few details about what and where you want to buy, and boom, instantly matched with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com slash deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com slash deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.